Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. Welcome citizens, New Amsterdam Radio starts now. The week this airs here in the United States, it's Thanksgiving. And if you're a long-term listener of the show, you know it's not my favorite holiday. And so it's kind of business as usual over in the mayor's office. But for those of you who take the time to step back and hang out with family, please do that because relationships are very important no matter what life you live in the city for creatives. NewAmsterdam.com is a website at New Amsterdam on Instagram and a new underscore Amsterdam on that Twitter. In a minute, I'll let you know about my interview with Sherlane Shea, who runs a business for individuals in the Australian province, state of Victoria. Uh, I think it's the state of Victoria. Uh, for those who are either English as a second language or want to fortify their skills in the English profession. It's going to be a really cool way to see the inside about having something you like to do as a passion and make it into your job or career. But before I get into that, I put it out there. Thank you so much for making New Amsterdam Radio part of your podcasting diet. Uh, as always, we are, in fact, powered by SeatGeek. When I go to see sports or any kind of cultural events, I use SeatGeek to get myself the best seats in the house. And you should, too. Use promo code FLOBITO. That's F-L-O-B-I-T-O for $20 off your first order. SeatGeek, FLOBITO, match made in heaven. And if you are some of the hardcore fans that tune into the bonus editions. I know there's some fans that just like to listen to the Thursday episodes, but if you're at the bonus editions, New Amsterdam, you'll notice that the Patreon is going away. Patreon.com slash FloboVoice is no more. That is the URL, but nothing will pretty much be active there. If you're a member of the Boisterous crew, your access to these interviews uh, early will still be a, a situation, will still be a thing on the YouTube channel. So make sure you follow the YouTube channel for that, youtube.com slash voice. But I want to thank you from the bottom of your heart. The contributions on that Patreon page helped this show grow by leaps and bounds during the pandemic. Well, enough of me rambling about things. Housekeeping's over. Now it's time for my chat with Charlene. Welcome back to New Am Sam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, the mayor, Flobo Boys, in the mayor's office. Hang with people who are doing the dang thing. And my guest this week is doing the thing. I like to say down under, we say Oz, but for I am, it is from the Oceana region. I got to welcome Charlene to the show from TSE Tuition. Thanks for being here today. Thanks so much for having me on your show. I appreciate that. So let's talk down to brass tacks. Of all the things, of all the pursuits in the world, education was your calling. Tell me about that time, that moment, that day when you said, this is what I'm doing for my career. Well, I finished high school uh, a long time ago. <laughs> and I really enjoyed English in high school. And when I left high school, I thought, what can I do for a job that would let me do English um, and as an 18 year old I thought that answer was English teaching so that's how I got into a, uh, my degree um, in education but then I discovered that there's this thing called academia um, 
in university. And so for a long time, actually, I was on track to get, get into um, academics and English research. Um, but when I was finishing my master's in English, we got a new prime minister um, called Tony Abbott, who was only in power for a very short time. I think he was, he's like the shortest serving prime minister. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but unfortunately, before he finished his prime ministership, um, he cut a lot of funding to research. Um, and there was basically no funding at all for higher education. Um, at the end of my master's, I was preparing to get into my PhD and I was tutoring at that time. And I just thought, I can't pay a mortgage with this kind of political landscape. You know, like I want to get into academics. This is what I'm really passionate about. This is what I'm really interested in. This is what I love doing, but I can't pay a mortgage with this. But I've been teaching English all this time, just on the side um, by myself. And I just thought, well, if academics is not the way to go, um, for my future, then let's try and make this a thing, um, the tutoring business. And that's how I kind of pivoted back to what I was going to do at the end of high school, uh, but just not inside of school. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. I understand that you had a passion for something and you said, hey, look, I got to find a way to do what I love and to eat. I love doing both of those things. Uh, talk to me <laughs> about the, the area you claim. Uh, you're in Victoria State, yes? Uh, what's, yes. what's life like mm -hmm. that like specifically compared to other regions or other states in Australia? In Victoria, um, it's probably the second, I would say it's the second largest state in terms of population. So New South Wales, so where Sydney is, uh, that's the city that everybody knows. So that's the state that's um, the most populous um, with the highest number of people and students and things like that. And Victoria is the second most populous city um, in saying that the High school curriculum is probably one of the, I mean, there are national standards for all of the states and territories and they all have to meet the same standards. But because Victoria has quite a few uh, students, it gets a little bit competitive. Um, and I've noticed that it gets more competitive um, as the years have gone on. Uh, in New South Wales, I know it's more competitive than it is over here in Victoria. Uh, whereas in, I think other states, like um, smaller states like Tasmania or Queensland, I think the competition is not as felt as keenly. Um, but in terms of the weather, um, <laughs> we love talking about the weather here in Victoria because it changes all the time. Uh, yesterday it started off beautiful and then it bucketed down and today it started off beautiful again, so. I don't know. It could be could be anything today. <laughs> it's definitely a mixed bag. Here in Los Angeles, uh, the majority of Australian immigrants or expats, I, I don't know, some countries use expats. I guess I guess we say expats if we're English speak. Anyway, uh, are from a town Semantics. called Melbourne, which, which is in Victoria. So I always ask uh, yes. what, what that, um, what that's about. I, I always want to go to my bucket list. I want to get there at some point. Uh, but enough about you that. You should. Come <laughs> and visit. You, you, come you and have a coffee when, with us. We love catching up. It, it, it's always like... I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Ah, but not today. Ah, you know, I got these bills. <laughs> oh, I got this job to get. And I always keep putting it off. But all it takes is really one pandemic to say, look, life is short. You got to go for it. It's true. It's true. It's a long flight, though, from here to L.A. 
I'll nap. It's cool. Uh, so, so talk to me about TSE tuition. Uh, there's a lot of uh, angles you could have took, taken your education. And I'm sure you, you, you've experimented with some of those. But at what point in your career did you say, you know what, I'm going to build a platform and a methodology that's going to be my own for my clients at your students? I think coming from an education background, um, so I am a qualified um, teacher. I'm not registered um, with the with the regulation bodies, but I do have a Bachelor of Secondary Education. Um, I think coming from that background, you get a real appreciation for, I guess, the philosophy of teaching and also um, the what we call the pedagogy, which is sort of the um, the thinking behind how you approach teaching and how you structure activities and things like that for the classroom. Um, and having that kind of academic knowledge abstract background um, and having worked with a lot of students one-to-one, um, just by myself, freelance, you know, cash in hand kind of thing, um, I got a real appreciation for the kids who don't do well in the classroom you know, there are always going to be kids who do really well in the classroom. There are always going to be kids who um, work well in a group environment. There are always going to be kids who will be able to catch on with just a little bit of extra support. But then there are kids who just don't engage in the classroom for a huge variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, and those were the kids that I resonated with the most when I was working with students one-to-one. -one, um, and... I came to realize that these kids really needed the one-to-one -one support. They were not going to do well if they went to like an extra study class, you know, outside of school, because that's crazy. They were not doing well in a classroom environment. And then they go to another classroom environment after school and we expect them to do better there for some reason. Um, you know, that just made no sense. And mm. And so that's how I came to the position that we at TSE Tuition only provide one-to-one -one sessions with students. We've tried groups. It doesn't work uh, for the kids that we work with, you know, um, simply because with English, it's really a very much um, personal expression kind of skill, right? When you're writing essays, when you're writing journal entries, when you're writing book reviews, you know, whatever it is that you're writing in a classroom for, for the teacher as a task, right, you are writing your thoughts down on paper, that's what writing is. That's what English is. But for some kids, that translation process doesn't happen naturally, right? You have thoughts in your head and somehow it doesn't come out the way you want it to. Um, the way that I think about it is not all of us are songwriters, you know? Like for Ed Sheeran, right, he has a thought and it comes out beautifully. But, like, you know, yeah. he probably writes a song, you know, like while sitting – you know, just sitting down on the couch, just, you know, strumming along, you know, doing whatever while, while watching TV, you know, that comes naturally to him. But like for other people like me, <laughs> I can't write a song. <laughs> That's really hard. Um, I don't have the skills and I don't have the technical abilities to do that. And it's crazy to think that to expect teenagers to have thoughts and be able to translate them into 
you know, sophisticated pieces of writing that we're expecting, right, at a year 12 levels. Uh, so year 12 for us is the last year of high school before uh, where they sit the big exam to um, go into uh, university or TAFE or higher education. So, yeah, so for me that was re really the main uh, impetus behind having only one-to-one -one sessions because there then you can sort of really fine-tune and work with the student about what is it that you're really thinking what is your exact thoughts here? Let's workshop that so that uh, when it's written down on paper or these days on a screen, right, that it reflects accurately what's going on in your head. And for me, the real reward is when that translation process goes well and they get rewarded for it um, in academic terms, right, with grades. You know, you mentioned a, uh, something that was very interesting about the the concept of personalized education, and uh, I've been I've been told that when it comes to languages, English is kind of open source, right? There isn't like a governing body like how French operates. It's kind of like whatever works out, man. Uh, what's it like for you to teach the structure of language arts and then some of the colloquialisms and keeping a balance between not veering from one side to the other, so creating a mass army of robots or creating a bunch of people learning the the bad habits we native speakers have sometimes yeah absolutely it is so tricky to hit that balance between telling a kid that what you think and how you're speaking is a totally valid and legitimate form of expression and that's totally fine but you know when we're writing an essay for an end of high school exam that's not the language that's expected um, so there are a couple of ways that I sort of explain it to the kids. Um, one of the uh, one of my reasoning um, that I give to the students about formal language, like you want to keep it, you know, relatively formal, and you don't want to have, um, you know, sounding too casual or too colloquial in your essays, is that it's not about you. The essay is not about you. The essay is about the integrity and the strength of your ideas in the essays, right? And if we can take you out of it, the idea should be able to stand alone by itself, right? Someone shouldn't have to know you to understand what it is that you're saying on paper for an exam, right? Because in an exam situation, that's anonymized, right? You don't put your name on the exam, you have a student number, right? So the examiner doesn't know what colour you are, they don't know what background you're from, they don't know if you're male or female or anything in between, right? They don't know anything about you. So the idea that you're writing has to stand by itself, right? It has to stand alone. And the best way to give strength to that idea that you're writing is to have it as objective as possible. So that means we remove your personal identity out of it, so we don't use mm -hmm. I's, we don't use we's, we don't use you's, right? We try and keep it as formal as possible so that um, we can judge it as objectively as possible. So that's the way that I kind of explain it to the kids. Um, like, I don't want them to ever feel like their person is being judged. And I explain that very clearly to students. Um, and I, um, I almost explain it like a game. Right. This is the end of year exam in English um, and also all the little tests and things like that. We call them SACs, um, school assessed coursework um, in the middle of the year. All of those things are um, there to give the student a chance to express an idea. And we just want to maximize that. Right. We want to 
get the lowest hanging fruit for the minimum amount of effort and time so that they can spend that effort and time reaching, right, for bigger things. Um, so, yeah, I like to sort of explain it to the kids that it's a matter of strategy and it's a matter of um, logic and reasoning in terms of, like, getting those marks and it's not about them. Uh, we get a lot of kids who start working with us and they feel so terrible about themselves and they feel so terrible about English, right, because up until that point they've associated themselves with their ideas and if they get a bad mark for it, then that means they are bad, right? They're not worthy because their ideas were not worthy. But in, when in fact the two things are two separate things, right? You are not your ideas. Then they're not the same. <laughs> good, good point. Uh, you know, I, that was actually my next question, but to take that up. I mean, teen, being a teenager is stressful enough as it is. There are proms and there's grades and there's colleges and there's parents and parents never understand. Uh, what's that like, though, dealing with the mental aspects of these human beings who are literally growing in the midst of your classroom while trying to learn the, the mastery of English so they can go and advance their careers? It is... It's a double-edged sword. It's really fun and it's really rewarding and it's a huge responsibility as well. Um, in a tutoring relationship, when you're working with a student one-to-one -one on a fairly regular basis, like so for us, we usually see our students like once a week, once a fortnight, something like that. Um, you develop a real personal relationship with the person because you're talking about very personal things about what are you thinking, right? Tell me what it is that you think about this character. What does this word mean to you, right? What does this sentence say to you? How do you feel about X, Y, and Z, right? We're having really personal conversations about not very fun things <laughs> most right. of the time. Um, and you get into these relationships with students where you can do a lot of damage in that relationship to the students. Um, and so one of the things that I tell our tutors, um, so our tutors go through a training and induction process with us before they're allowed to go work with students. Um, and one of the things that really gets stressed in that training and induction period is to use morality-free language when we give feedback. So rather than saying, oh, this sentence is good or this sentence is bad or this sentence is strong or weak because then teenagers can take that and apply that to themselves. Oh, I'm strong, I'm weak, I'm bad, etc. Mm -hmm. um, I tell the tutors we want to use morality-free language and be super specific. So we want to say things like this sentence isn't clear, right? And then you follow that up with what do you mean by it, right? Tell me more about what you're trying to say. Right. Or we might say, this word isn't accurate in expressing what you're trying to say. Let's try another word. Right. Or this sentence isn't flowing well. Let's see how we can make it smoother. So using phrases and expression like that, I find it helps a teenager remove themselves from that, you know, remove the person from that editing and feedback process. Um, and we try and uh, keep it as constructive and as supportive as possible um, and one of the things that we really do try and do is to give as much positive feedback as we can so I, I like what you're saying here I love the evidence that you're using um, I think it's really great that you tried to start with x y and z 
right? We try and give a lot of praise as well as the feedback, right? The constructive feedback after that. I really love what you're trying to do here, but this sentence isn't flowing very well. Let's see if we can rearrange some bits of your sentence so that it expresses what you're trying to say in a clearer fashion. Um, so things like that, I think, are really important. And unfortunately, in my industry, it doesn't happen enough, um, I feel. Mm -hmm. Well, I just want to say as a sidebar, it's a good thing my, my, my parents are from the West Indies and therefore I know British English because you said X, Y, Z and it took me a second. They go, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> it said, it said, right. <laughs> uh, what, what's, a, what's something that people get wrong about what you do? Is, is there kind of a misconception in your line of work? Yeah, um, a lot of people think we work with people whose uh, second or third or fourth language is English, not native speakers. Um, it did used to be like that, I would say, when I started tutoring, like, say, 15, 20 years ago. Um, it That was the case where native speakers didn't feel like they needed English tutoring and it was just people who were learning it as a second language needed it. Uh, but these days, it is everybody has an English tutor. Um, it's I feel it's very unfortunate. Um, I think in an ideal world, I would not have a job. Um, I feel like in an ideal world, students should be able to, you know, learn what they need to learn within the classroom um, and not need to spend money to get an English tutor to be competitive, right, enough to get into tertiary education um, I think that's really unfortunate, but these days that's the reality. Um, it is very competitive and it is expensive and, you know, and it just means that the inequality gap, you know, is growing. Um, if you don't have money, if you're not fortunate enough to come from a family with money to live in an area where there are good schools, um, the truth is it's very hard to to get a good enough score to then get into tertiary education opportunities that will then improve, right, your next generation's um, chance at education, better education um, and all of that. So it's a real, um, it's a real disappointment, I would say, that that's happening in my state and in my country. And, and I've been trying to think of ways to, try and mitigate that um yeah so that's why in the past I released a lot of YouTube videos um in terms of like just giving advice to students who were looking for it in terms of like how to write an essay how to write a topic sentence you know this is how you structure and um and brainstorm for an essay etc etc so I released a lot of that and in the past couple of years I haven't done that so much because I had a daughter <laughs> and life got very busy oh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I am looking like in the next year and beyond, I'm looking to sort of um, going back to the YouTube channel again and just making more videos for free um, to make that a little bit more accessible and do what I can to improve the equity um, in English education. Working with so many impressionable minds can take a toll on you. Uh, when you're done for the day, how do you put that work that mind on the shelf and focus on yourself. Is that even a possibility what you do or, or not? Oh. <laughs> um, 
no. <laughs> I think the simple answer is no. <laughs> um, it helps, I think, to have things outside of work, you know, things that are not connected to your work at all. So for me, I have a husband, I have a four-year-old, um, I have a church that I attend, I have friendship groups who have nothing to do with the education industry. Um, and I think having a social calendar and having um, these different aspects of life help. Um, you know, so when, you know, I go pick my four-year-old up from childcare, she doesn't want to really talk about what I've done with teenagers, <laughs> right. right? She wants to tell me about who she played with, right, at childcare. Um, so I think having those different kinds of relationships um, help in terms of forcing me to have downtime um, and time away from work. Uh, but because I run my own business, I am kind of thinking about work all the time, unfortunately. Um, but I think for myself, my personality is not someone who works well with routine. I need something new every day. I can't be doing the same thing every day. I go a little bit mental. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I go a little bit crazy. Um, so for me, I would rather be thinking about different aspects of work all the time at random different times of the day rather than having a nine to five. This is where I think about it all. Um, I think for me, mental health wise, it's healthier that way. Um, sure. that I'm doing things at the moment like this. Um, that might change, like people change and circumstances change, but at the moment, this is what I think works well for me. Personal question or semi-personal question. What aspect of your business like spends the most time in your brain during a day? Is it is it client building? Is it new techniques? Is it research development? Is it equipment? Like what what's when you're like, ah, oh, <laughs> I get that done? Yeah. Um it's unfortunate, but I think the social media marketing side of it um, is what sucks up a lot of my headspace um, when I'm working. Um, I don't like it. <laughs> if I had the money to hire a social media manager, like that's what I would do ASAP. Um, but unfortunately, I'm not at that stage where I can hire like a social media firm or marketing person to do it so I've got to do it um so I think that takes up the most of my time um and headspace at the moment maybe it's because I'm not good at it um that's why <laughs> it takes up a lot of my headspace um in the past before I got myself an assistant um it was the invoicing and the administration side of things that sucked up most of my energy and time um but it's been great um, for all the entrepreneurs out there, get yourself an admin assistant as soon as you can. That would be my advice. <laughs> <laughs> like the a week after, you know, my assistant started doing stuff for me, it was like it was like a hundred kilos off my back. Um, Is your assistant in in real space or are they virtual? Let me asking. Um, yeah, they we work virtually. Um, because all of our things are online these days. Um, our software, our invoicing, our um, 
client taking notes, session notes, all of that stuff. It's all online. Um, yeah, so my assistant works virtually, uh, which is really great because she's in another state at the moment. Um, yeah, so that works really well. Uh, that's cool. I'm taking notes when I actually uh, get on that level. And you said social media is hard. It's like trying to win a jackpot in the slot machine. Until you have that money, you just get lucky. <laughs> you go viral for a random video, you're like, great. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, I wish I didn't have to do it. And I wish it wasn't part of, you know, so much of it these days, marketing is social media and it just does my head in. I hate it. <laughs> Uh, final question for me. This is the most difficult question I always ask all my guests. So if you just can't have a straight answer, I understand. But what is your favorite junk food? Oh, my favorite junk food. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, that is very hard. <laughs> but I love, I love a chocolate biscuit with a cup of tea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's my – I'm an old person, I feel, but, like, a good Tim Tam with, like, a nice English breakfast, mm, amazing. <laughs> That's not junk food. That's a whole vibe. That's different. <laughs> That's a whole vibe. Uh, Shirley, thanks so much for being on the show. New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Now, if someone's listening right now and they want to connect with you or learn more about your business, how to go about doing that. Um, I am most active on Facebook and Instagram. So our Facebook is at TSE Tuition and Instagram is TSE underscore tuition. Uh, we also have a website at www.tsetuition.com. Um, yeah, and I would love to connect with any educators out there um, who are also working with high school students. That's great to hear. And you heard it here first. Don't give your teacher apples. Give them Tim Tams. Thank you so much for being on the show. New episode right in the podcast for creatives. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com Until next time, this city is yours.